0: Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be gathered again, even though we're scattered in homes and even in different countries. I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to still be the gathered body of Christ. Today in South Africa is our 129th day of lockdown. Um, It's our 20th online service. And I'm just so grateful to God that we've been able to, even through this time, be able to still have His Word taught and come together to worship even in a very different way. And I would love to just give a shout out to our team. Our media team who've worked tireless hours to pull all this together. So, Shal on staff with us has edited and, and designed and done so much work in the background. And then we've got volunteers like Beth. So, last week um, the illustrations that were drawn so beautifully. That was Beth's handiwork. And Beth, we just want to say thank you for the volunteer hours you've put in. And then who could forget Devin Ross and um, not just in the lockdown but for years he's been faithfully doing our slides and serving us on the media and then your teams as well and and volunteers who work with you. We're just so grateful and thankful that we've still had encounters with God in our living room, been stirred, been challenged and that's largely been made possible by you guys serving us uh, with your time and with your talents. So We're so thankful. I want to just point back to last week. And if you were not on on our online service, man, it was a real critical one for us. We were just laying out as leaders what we feel God is calling us to in the next season and the vision that he's given us. And in brief, that's around Alpha and around the feeling in our hearts that God is coming and for a season is focusing us on those who don't know him. And it's like the Bunsen burner. Sometimes it feels like when you read God's Word, there's like a Bunsen burner under certain things. And that for us feels like God is highlighting that and calling us to focus on that. And so we want to throw our weight behind that. If you missed that, please go and watch it. It's such a critical Sunday um, for us. This morning, I'm so... um, moved and excited to preach to you out of the Gospel of Luke and we're going to be looking at chapter 18 and chapter 19 and actually for the next many weeks to come we're going to be looking at different encounters that Jesus had with individuals in the Gospels, conversations He had and we've called this series Jesus in Real Life and often we can read the Scriptures and it feels like it's over there and it's a bit detached from our own lives and we just trying to, as we look at the encounters and conversations that Jesus had with people, just pull that back into our lives and say, no, this is for us. This is relevant to and meaningful for our lives today. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Different preachers over the weeks to come. And so this morning it's, it's my privilege to preach out of Luke 18 and 19. And I've called it the tale of two rich men. And it, it details the story of Jesus' encounters with two very wealthy men. On, on pretty much the same day or maybe the day afterwards. But they're very close together and they tell a very different story. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. The context of these texts is that Jesus is on his final journey to Jerusalem he knows he's about to be crucified he's trying to still explain to his disciples and give them clarity around what the kingdom really is because they keep getting confused about it and he's trying to explain to them and he says no it's not quite like that it's more like this and each of these encounters and the miracles actually are Jesus explaining there's a there's something bigger than just the miracle happening it's also Jesus explaining this is what my kingdom is about this is what it looks like and, and giving his disciples more and more clarity. So as we read, they're approaching the city of Jericho and this rich young ruler comes to Jesus with a question. And let's pick up in Luke chapter 18 and verse... 18 It says, the ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so that's the, that's the question this, this guy is asking. What do I need to do in order to live with you forever? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And there's another whole preaching there. But he says, You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't um, defraud your neighbor. All of these things which we would know. Don't steal. Honor your father. And, mother. and then this rich young ruler says the most profound statement. All of these things I have kept since my youth. And then Jesus says to him, there's just one more thing I want you to do. There's one more. There's one more thing that I want you to think about. If you've done all of those things, there's one more thing. And this is what he says. Sell all you have. Distribute all that money to the poor. Give it away. Because then you'll know that you have treasures in heaven. And I want you to come and to follow me. But when the rich young ruler heard that, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. And then Jesus says something quite remarkable. He says how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he humorously says it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. But now here's the here's the amazing part of this text is that the disciples in that moment are incredulous and rightly so. They're looking at this ruler and in their culture this guy ticks all of the boxes. So he's a man and that's a big deal. To, to this day the Jews still pray thank you god that i'm not a dog that i'm not a gentile and i'm not a woman and that's another preach right i'm going to speak on woman next week on woman's day but this guy's a man he's rich this is usually the sign of god's favor he's a ruler so he's approved of by men around him and then he's young and i mean even in today's culture we envy the young and the youthfulness and he's got all of these things and the disciples look in on this and they're like if he can't be saved he's like the model type person that you'd think would be able to come to God and God would be oh yeah I accept you if he can't be saved then who's got a chance and Jesus says what's impossible with men is possible With God. And so, this guy who looked the part, spoke the part, behaved the part, he's the kind of guy who thinks to himself, Man, I hope that rules and behavior and law get me to God because, man, I can keep all of them. That's what he says. All of these I've kept since I was a little boy. But the crazy part of this story is that that guy, that guy, goes away sad. And the implication is that he wasn't able to do what Jesus said. Jesus said, go and sell all that you have. And he's like, I can't do that. But then... The next story that we go to, which happened later that day or maybe the next day, but it was very close. And remember that then in these disciples' minds, all these people who are following Jesus, they would have been thinking, man, who can be saved if that guy couldn't be saved? And and they, Jesus says, well, it's not possible, but with God it's possible. So then immediately that's in their minds. Jesus then goes into Jericho and there's the story of Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus is the kind of person who really, really not like the rich man. He really, really hopes that behavior and rules and being able to say, yes, I can do those things. He hopes that that's not the qualification for eternal life because, man, he hasn't been able to do any of those things. Things He hasn't been able to. And maybe you've felt like that. And you always feel like you fall short of the standards that the church puts in front of you. Or what you imagine the standards of the Bible. And what it puts in front of you. Or just your parents or Christian uh, culture. Or whatever it may be. And maybe you live this this apparently worry-free, guilt-free life. Because actually you've just decided you can't live up to this stuff. It's ridiculous. And so you're just going to live another kind of life. Well, welcome to you. This is the story of Zacchaeus and so in chapter 19 and verse 1 it says Jesus entered Jericho and he was just passing through he was just going to keep on going but there was a man named Zacchaeus and this man was a chief tax collector and he was rich the tale of two rich men remember the disciples are making this link rich man rich man but this man is a chief tax collector now let me stop for a moment and tell you about tax collectors this is not like meeting somebody from sars now i know we might even have a problem with that and might not want our daughter to marry somebody who works for sars but it's nothing like that this is more like an extortionary person it's it's someone from the mafia it's it's this person is despised by their own family they were frequently disowned by their parents so their parents would not say their name they would It was as if they had never had a son, they wouldn't say their name and that was because of the shame that came with collaborating with the invading occupying force, the Romans. And then what these guys would do, these tax collectors, they were they were social lepers. They were hated, they were despised because they wouldn't just take the taxes that the Romans demanded, but they would extort more for the people from the people. They would oppress their own blood, their own Jewish nation, so that they could enrich themselves. And so they were hated. And the Romans would protect them in doing that. Now, Zacchaeus was the chief of tax collectors. So he was a tax collector, but he also had other tax collectors that he was also making going to oppress all their Jewish brothers and sisters. And so you can understand why it's an important part of the story that Luke says he was a rich man, but he wasn't honored and a ruler or held up as an example like the rich young ruler. He was a tax collector. It's a swear word in this culture. But listen to this Next part in verse 3. Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. Something in his heart was stirring. I wonder who this is. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. And I imagine that when that rich young ruler came to Jesus, the crowds parted and they allowed him easy access to Jesus. But when Zacchaeus, the tax collector, is trying to push his way through the crowd, there's just all he's facing is scowls and people spitting on him and anger. They hate this man. But he was seeking Jesus and he couldn't because he was small of stature, which is a politically correct way of saying short. So he ran on ahead. And climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And then the most incredible thing happens. The story twists. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up in the tree and said to him, Zacchaeus, come on down. I must come. Note that word. I must come to your house today. He felt compelled. Jesus is like, this is part of my mission. I must stop and I must come to your house. Zacchaeus. And look at his response. So Zacchaeus hurries down. He came down and received him joyfully. Now remember that Jesus is comparing this. And and the gospel of Luke wants us to see this to the rich young ruler who went away sad. Sad. Contrast that emotion with Zacchaeus rushing down from the tree. Joyful. Jesus has called him down and is coming to his house. But when the crowd saw it, they all grumbled. What's he doing? How come Jesus, this important man, is going to this? Doesn't he know? Doesn't he know who this is? He has gone, they said, in to be the guest of a man who is a Sinner. And Zacchaeus, now in his home, having this meal with Jesus, stood up and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of all of my goods, half of all my wealth, I give it away to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'm going to give it back to them four times over four times. And Jesus says to him today, salvation has come to this house. So in other words, Zacchaeus, you're going to have eternal life. You're the one who's going to have eternal life. And then he says, since this man is a son of Abraham. Man, that that moved me when I read it. It moved me because this is an outcast. This is someone who the Jews say, you are not a Jew. You are not my son. You are not my brother or my sister. He's disowned. He's an outcast of society. And Jesus says to him, no, you are a true son of Abraham. And you're going to have eternal life. Salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came To seek and to save the lost. So that's the story. Let's pray together before we dig into it a little bit more. Father, as we come to this another surprising part of the Gospels and the text and the way that you think and the way that you work. And we realize that it's just so different to how we work and how we're taught and even how our churches operate. And I want to pray that as we look at the story, even as I've read it, I think you're already speaking to people. But as we look into a few things, would you come and adjust our hearts? Would you come and challenge us? Would you come and let us see ourselves in the rich young ruler and see ourselves in Zacchaeus and how you have grace for both of those? I pray and ask these things for those who are far from you today and feel like Zacchaeus in the story. For those who are proud and feel like they have achieved so much and have a lot to give you, would you come and show us how desperately we both need you? Would you come and do that as we look at this word this morning? In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. And so what we're going to do with the rest of our time is just look at these two stories and pull out some points right out of the text and so the first point that i want to make is that we see here these two the tale of two rich men and one of them was a wealthy rich young ruler who became really poor by the end of the story and another one was was wealthy but by the end of the story he was poor financially he had given away nearly everything that he owned and yet he had become so Rich And so to understand what's going on, we need to first go and look at the rich young ruler and understand what Jesus said when he said to him, there's one thing you still need to do. You need to give away everything that you have and come and follow me. What was Jesus doing in that moment? What he was doing was that the commands that this rich young ruler said that he had obeyed were all all earthly, man to man commands. But Jesus in other places in the Gospels says to his disciples and says to those who question him when they come and say, what are the greatest laws? What are the greatest commandments? He says there's two of them. The one is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He must be first. He must be number one. And then he says, and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself now this young ruler has said that since his youth he's loved his neighbor as himself but what Jesus does in this moment is to come and say well let's examine if you have loved the Lord your God with all your heart and there's no one before him and he's number one he's on the throne of your life and so he sees Jesus sees with Holy Spirit perception that the Lord and the God of this young man's life is actually his wealth, his earthly possessions, his material possessions. And so Jesus puts this test in front of him because he knows that it will reveal to this young man that actually he can't do it. He can't make God number one. Jesus says, I want you to make me number one. I want you to come and follow me. But he can't do it because the wealth is too important. And so this is, this is the trajectory. Jesus tells the rich man to give away all that he has. The rich man can't do that. And in that moment, his heart is revealed. Now we contrast that with Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus is invited by Jesus himself invites himself to Zacchaeus's house but he's a sinner and he's hated and he's a he's a social leper as we've spoken about and he encounters the grace and the love of Jesus and he begins to spontaneously give away his his wealth here's the crazy part about what Zacchaeus did is that the law required that if you had stolen in a way that Zacchaeus had you had to give back the money and as an interest or a penalty you Gave back another fifth. Zacchaeus just comes and blows the law away, and he he shows by his heart response, "I'm going to give four times back." What's that as a percentage? I wonder of what he was required to do. But he doesn't just fulfill the requirement; he spontaneously gives away everything and more. And in that moment. Just like the rich young ruler's heart was revealed in his moment with Jesus, Zacchaeus's encounter with Jesus, his heart is revealed. Now I wonder what is going on in our hearts. I think that this season of, of COVID and the virus and everything, the craziness of the world has been just such a time for us. Just such a heart-revealing time time for us if only we would have eyes to look into our hearts and to see what is being revealed who is number one in our hearts is it God or is it our health or is it the care and the well-being of our family or our children is it your career And all of a sudden, you've lost your job, and you feel like you have no more identity and no more bearing, and and you realize that that was way more important to you than what you would have cared to admit. This season is a heart revealing season, and I want to ask you, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? I want to ask you, are you pleased? With what these trials are bringing up in your life? Have you, have you found yourself able to give? Able to financially bless others in this time? Or or are you not able to resist the temptation to hoard and pull it all close? Because while we don't know what's coming in the next few years. And, and I imagine a financial planner following Zacchaeus around and saying, What are you doing? You, you're crazy. You're crazy, man. You're giving away all your... Stop, stop, stop. But Zacchaeus has encountered something and his heart is revealed. And his heart is so full of the grace and the love of God that he begins to pour out and give. And give and God is pleased. These trials are revealing. Who are you in this story? Who are we in this story? Are we the rich who one day will realize that we're poor? Or are we those who will make ourselves poor now? and give away our treasure and our talent and our time and maybe it doesn't make sense to our financial planner or to other people in our lives but we know that one day God will make us rich which one are we the second thing that I want to speak about out of this text is that to know That you and that I am a sinner is worth more than all of the treasure in the whole world. It's worth more to know that we are a sinner. There's this idea that somehow we are intrinsically good. And it's not a gospel idea. And it's not a Bible idea. And I I want to say this even though it may offend some of you. That it it can't mix with the gospel. This idea that we're good. It stands mutually exclusive. Because if we are good, then Jesus didn't need to die it's the greatest insult to the christian faith jesus didn't need to die we didn't need him for eternal life if we could somehow be good enough ourselves and do you get that in this story because if you'd gone to this rich young ruler and said to him are you a sinner he would have said as he did in the text well i've kept all the laws since I was a youth, I've kept all the laws. And so on the outside, he looked like he, he didn't need Jesus. And if that's us, then we respond to Jesus saying, Well, you know, your offer of forgiveness, I'm, I'm thankful for it. And it's great that you suffered on, on my behalf. But you know what? I'm actually okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't really need you. My life is, is going great, Jesus. But you see Zacchaeus knew and if you had to ask him, Zacchaeus, are you a sinner? Do you know that his story is, is so completely different? He could have said he he couldn't have said no. A good teacher, I, I'm really good. I just need you to make me a little bit gooder. He would have said, man, I I can't believe that Jesus asked me. If he knew who I was, and he did, he he. I just I just I'm I'm flabbergasted. I don't know what to say. I'm such a sinner. I can't believe that Jesus is coming into my into my home and as Zacchaeus receives that grace and the love of God it explodes in his heart and his treasure his earthly material treasure is suddenly worthless and the thing that was his master and that drove him and that held him and that and that forced him to to behave in a certain way it's gone he has a new master and he wants to please jesus and this what zacchaeus does have you noticed that it's exactly what the rich young ruler was unable to do he was unable to do it he couldn't give away and zacchaeus in that moment does something profound i want you to think about how zacchaeus had made his wealth by oppressing the poor by oppressing those that he stole from and isn't it incredible that the first thing that he does after he's encountered the love of Jesus Christ that the first thing that he does is that he desperately wants to help the poor those he's oppressed and this is what an encounter with Jesus does it turns us from an oppressor to a blesser. To someone who wants to bless the world in which they live. Think about racism. And I, it's not enough to just say I don't want to be racist anymore. And to recognize that in a, I want to just say wherever you are on the journey. And I'm on that journey too. Trying to understand how we've oppressed and, and, and brought racism. And how racism lives in our hearts it's not enough to just say i don't want to do that anymore no we don't want to be the oppressor we want to be the blesser we want to ask questions of how do we bring reconciliation how does the gospel come to bear on this how do we right the wrongs of the past not just put our hands up and say well i wasn't there for apartheid and i didn't agree with it and so i'm kind of like wash my hands clean no i want to say where where jesus has been encountered we don't want to just not be oppressors anymore we want to come and be blesses or well, think about the way that we speak you know often wealth is not just material it's not just being generous with our money or our house wealth can also be being generous with our words to an ex-husband, or someone who's wronged us, or our spouse, or our children. How precious would it be if we learned, instead of using oppressive words, to use generous, freeing, blessing words. And where we were in conversations where people were being bad-mouthed, that we would stand up and say, let's speak life. Let's speak hope into the situation. And we become generous with our mouths. Let me ask you. When you encountered Jesus. Has this happened in your life? You say maybe Paul in the beginning it happened. But now I've drifted. And I give. But I give reluctantly. And I give of my time. But it's, it's kind of to, so that God would see me as being good. And others in the church would, would look up to me. And there's something that I'm getting from that. It's not this lavish generous joyful childlike i want to give half of what i have to the poor and then anyone that i've wronged i want to just be generous and i want to bring blessing into those situations to know that you are a sinner is what truly shows you the treasure when we live with that constant realization God I am a sinner and we go before him and we we're constantly reminding ourselves of what the cross has meant to us in our lives it's in that place that we begin to bless and we begin to realize the treasure that we hold the third thing that I want to speak about is the difference between the way that these men sought Jesus The rich man, as we've spoken about, sought Jesus to show Jesus how good he was. To show others how good he was. To give himself a naughty badge about how he had kept all of the laws that he could think of. Zacchaeus sought Jesus because he was desperate he was desperate. When we read here in chapter 19 and verse 3, it says, he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on the count of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. And it reminds me When Zacchaeus runs ahead and he then climbs the tree, this was not something that Jewish men would do. It's not even something in our own culture that men would run ahead excitedly and climb up a tree. It was completely undignified. And yet Zacchaeus didn't care. Something was stirring in his heart and he knew that he had to be with Jesus. He had to meet this Jesus or see him or that Jesus carried something that he needed. Just before the story, in in between the two rich men's stories, is the story of the blind man on the side of the road. And he cries out to Jesus. He hears Jesus is coming and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Heal me. And the people say, be quiet. You're a beggar. Shush. You go and read the text. That's exactly what's going on. It says he shouted even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Until Jesus heard him. It's that kind of desperation. It's the desperation of the woman with the issue of blood that we read about in other parts of the gospel. And she was considered unclean and untouchable, much like Zacchaeus, an outcast. And yet she pushes through the crowd. She doesn't care what they think of her because she knows that if she can just get to Jesus, she spent all the money she has on trying to get healed. Nothing's worked. But if she can get to Jesus and when she touches him, she's healed. And Jesus turns. And in that conversation, he says to her daughter, And to my knowledge, it's the only place that Jesus says those words over anybody. Daughter. Desperate. And something about the way that Zacchaeus and and how we see him climbing that tree and being undignified and uncaring something shows us the desperation of this man and I believe that there's some of us watching today who have the same kind of desperation in our heart but you face the crowd just like Zacchaeus did and he couldn't push his way through they wouldn't let him through they hated him they wanted to curse him and spit on him they're not going to let him come to Jesus in fact they would have done just the opposite they would have said who do you think you are who? Why? Why in the world would you think that Jesus wants to see you? And maybe the church has done that to you, or maybe you erroneously believe that that's what the Bible has said to you, or maybe it's it's that Zacchaeus was was short and he couldn't see Jesus, and short is just another way of saying not tall enough. And so, what is it in your life that's not what enough, not beautiful enough, not worthy enough, not pure? Enough. Maybe you say, Jesus, if you knew what I had done, you'd never let me near you. I'm not pure enough. Maybe you say, I'm not white enough. I've heard this is a, a a God for the white man, but me, I'm black. I'm I'm disqualified from coming to Jesus. But there was Zacchaeus up his tree with the crowd, thinking you have no right to be near Jesus, and even other Christians maybe have said that to you. You have you have no right to come. To Jesus can you imagine the shame of a whole crowd grumbling that a a godly Jesus has come to your house? And how how dare does Jesus not know who this is? Don't they? Doesn't he know the sinner Zacchaeus? And they scorned him and they shamed him. And then Jesus stops at the bottom of that tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. And in that moment, this rich, dignified, hurting man who didn't think he'd ever have a chance of getting close to Jesus suddenly is transformed and he he comes rushing down with joy let the crowd grumble let the judges judge let the haters hate his heart is bursting his heart is so full of childlike joy I'm accepted I'm enough the savior this unthinkable thought the savior wants to come to my house of all the righteous people in the crowd he could have chosen he chooses to come to my house and here's the, here's the beautiful, even more beautiful part of the story is that the ultimately the story is not just about Zacchaeus' affirmation. It's not just about Zacchaeus feeling enough where he didn't used to feel enough. It's not about even his shame being removed and him being held up somehow in front of that grumbling crowd who hate him like they do. Those are just beautiful, beautiful side effects. They just, the, the side, the light life-giving, life-changing side effects of encountering Jesus. No, the, the real story, the ultimate story, is the glorious, overwhelming majesty and power of God. What kind of a God does this? What kind of a God loves like this? What kind of a God insists on going after the unlovely and the least loved of society? The wow in this story is not Zacchaeus standing up and saying, I want to give it all away. That's beautiful. It is. But the real wow of the story is God and Jesus. When the disciples asked, how then? Can we be saved? This this man that is so glorious, we can't be saved. Jesus says, I'll show you how you can be saved. And he takes them to Zacchaeus. And they say, it's impossible. It's impossible. And Jesus says, it's possible with God. And he takes them here to Zacchaeus. And he says, son of Abraham. This Moved me this week that the name Zacchaeus means righteous. It means pure. Can you think of the irony for his whole life? knowing who he is and knowing the sin that he carries and knowing that he's despised that any time anyone called his name they would be saying hey mr righteous hey mr pure i imagine they used it as a mocking taunt and yet jesus and god knew that this would be his name and jesus sees it in him and he says zacchaeus righteous one pure oh i just love my jesus I just love the ways of God and how He does this. Seeking Jesus. Maybe you're seeking Jesus this morning and you need to know that legalism won't get you there. You don't need to fix up your stuff before you come. Come just as you are law keeping. It will never get you to Christ. It will never get you to eternity with him. The other thing that you need to know if you're seeking him is that there's hope for the least likely. You might say, Paul, you have no idea what I've done It does not matter no matter what you have done. It doesn't matter. The most grievous evil sins in the whole world are covered as we see repeatedly that God goes to sinners. Jesus goes to sinners like a doctor seeks out sick people or a mother seeks out a crying child or policeman goes toward crime. Jesus goes toward sinners for the Son of Man came to seek and to save The lost. One hope. I hope there's been so much in here for those of you who follow Christ. So much challenge to myself as I've been preparing this week. But I want to remind us that God is calling us into a season where we focus more on those who don't know him. I want us to be challenged as we read the story of these two rich men. That we need to learn to see with Jesus' eyes with different eyes because if I'm honest I see the rich young ruler and I think let me invite him to Alpha because he's so close to God and I see the Zacchaeuses of my world and I think well they'll never come they're so far from God but what Jesus knows is actually Zacchaeus is ready and the rich young ruler isn't and maybe maybe he came to Christ later on I don't know but he wasn't ready And so we need new eyes. And there's two things that I spoke about last week that that are handles that we're going to be using. These five handles, but just the two I want to highlight as we close now is that we have to learn to trust the Holy Spirit like we never have. We've got to trust Him that He knows who's ready. He knows whose hearts are ready. He sees into the hearts, not just the outward macho exterior that might put us off. Or the person who seems like they've got their life all together. And so we don't want to ask them because, well, you know, it looks like they're just fine. Or whatever it may be that is stopping us from inviting someone. We need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. The second handle from last week that I wanted to mention today is that, Prayer changes everything. And if we're going to be people who have the eyes of Jesus, we need to be people who pray. Because prayer will give us the discernment beyond just the logical, obvious, look at the rich young ruler in front of us. I want to pray for us. I hope this has helped us so much as we examine our lives in the mirror of Scripture. Father, Help us see ourselves in the story. Help us see which aspects of our lives are the rich young ruler. Which parts of us are like Zacchaeus. Which parts of us have forgotten to lavishly give our stuff away and our lives away. And to live in this this freedom of an encounter with Jesus. And where we've become miserly and tight with with our praise of others. And with our finance and with our time and with our talents. And we've kept it all to ourselves and hoarded it. Father, come and set us free. Come and challenge us and awaken us again through your word. Lord, and then I I lift up those who don't know you. Would they feel such a fresh grace pouring into their lives? Would they feel such fresh hope coming into their lives? In the name of Jesus. We pray and ask this. Friend, you might not know Christ. I want to tell you that Alpha is a beautiful place to explore come and join us the number and the email address will be up now on the video get hold of us if you don't know someone in one hope and you'd love to be part of that 10-week journey we're going to talk about different aspects of, of christianity and give you so much room to ask your questions if you know someone in one hope get hold of them and say hey take me on that course i want to go with you or you might even feel like right now as i'm preaching you're ready to to come to christ You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to be like that rich young ruler who seems to have it all together. You can be the Zacchaeus and get on your knees before him and just cry out from the honesty of your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come and do something in my heart. I'm desperate. I feel this desperation. I want to climb a tree, whatever it takes. I want to be near you. And he will rush in. And give you that peace that you're waiting for and the forgiveness that you seek. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week again.